Hello, everyone. Um, welcome to this final panel of what I think has been a fantastic Radio Days Africa. I think just give yourself a hand of round of applause. Um, we started this conference talking about 10 years ago um, in radio and with the conference in France was talking about how it was this tiny pocket of people um, in 2009. And I think it's suiting that we're going to finish this conference with a look at innovation and looking forward and kind of talking about, and that's sort of been a focus of the conference in general, but I think we're going to talk about how things are going to change and hopefully how we're all going to change with them. So I'd like you to welcome um, my panelists today. Um, we have um, James Gridland. He's a self-proclaimed radio futurologist and does fantastic work with podcasts. If you, don't sign, if you haven't signed up to his daily newsletter about podcasting, I please um, encourage you to do so. Um, and also Naheem Ghani. He's um, running an incredible innovation just right here in Joburg. Um, uh, I visited his operation in Houghton a few weeks ago and was incredibly impressed. He's running a media operation that um, is listening, first of all, streaming community radio stations from around Africa, so streaming them um, into his operations in Houghton, but then also running an AI component that listens to these stations and generates data around what the AI is listening to. He'll be able to explain it a lot better than that, but I'd like you to give a round of applause to the two panelists. Um, so first of all, James, I'd just like to start with you. Maybe you can just give a bit of a background. I know you spoke yesterday, but a bit of a background in what you do and sort of uh, and, the, and the huge amount of work um, and innovation that you bring to the podcasting and radio space. Well, thank you, Paul. Um, yes, so I mean, I've worked in radio for 30 years, uh, which makes me feel very old. Um, but uh, I've worked in many different parts of radio, whether that's writing radio commercials or being a radio presenter or uh, more in the management uh, area. And uh, for the last 10 years, uh, I've been a, uh, a radio futurologist. By the way, all of our job uh, titles are self-proclaimed. <laughs> So, Sorry. Uh, <laughs> yes, that's true. So, uh, yes, yeah, so I've been um, working with uh, companies, you know, across the world, helping them understand where the future is going in terms of, of uh, radio. And, uh, you know, I think there is a very bright uh, future. I think one of the things that I notice whenever I come to Radio Days Africa, and this is my third time, is um, how excited and proud it makes you feel to be part of this great industry that has such a power of touching so many people and making a difference to so many lives. And I think it's a very exciting uh, part of the, the radio calendar um, to be here. Yeah. Brilliant. Thank you very much. And Naheem, I know I probably butchered your, um, the explanation of your business. Maybe you can sort of explain it a little bit better. Um, thank you, Paul, for having me. Um, yeah, so we do media compliance and media insights across Africa. Um, I think the biggest, com the biggest component of our business is the media compliance side, which is at the moment. Brands from South Africa and brands from international brands want to advertise in Africa. We find that the African radio stations offer very low compliance. And by very low compliance, we mean you place an ad starting Monday, it starts on Tuesday or Wednesday. Sometimes it doesn't start at all. Sometimes it's playing, being played in the wrong time band. 
Um, and there are lots of different problems around placing advertisement on so, radio. So these are brands that want to place ads on community stations, sure, um, and sure. then the radio station doesn't really necessarily comply. It doesn't play it at the right time. Exactly, exactly. Okay. And then what also happens is that you've got media agencies that need to build their brands for the work that's been put in or the advertisements that have been placed. The brand would like some sort of a surety. They then contact a radio station to get logs, and the logs become a big problem for them. Uh, one is that it's not accurate, and two, that it takes a very long time to come, which delays billing, and you're already on a 90-day billing, and it becomes a big problem. So we offer a service where you give us your advertisement campaigns, you give us the adverts, we record 150 radio stations across Africa, we have an AI module that's able to track your advertisement across those stations, and we can give results within 15 minutes. So anything between, you know, if your ad flies it between 9 and 9.15, by 9.20, you can know if your advertisement campaign has been started successfully. Wow. Okay, and this is something that, can people in the room approach you if they want uh, their... Yes, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. okay. So this is a fascinating, to me, that's like a fascinating innovation that's sort of taking, I mean, people have talked a lot about community radio since the start of the conference, and this to me feels like something that is a technology solution that's complementing community stations. Right, it's not reinventing them necessarily. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think it's also worth noting that most of these radio stations are not streamed online. Um, so the way our technology works is that we've got a physical presence in every country. Our biggest country at the moment is Zambia, and in Zambia we've got two sites where we plug in a server, and that server will record all the radio stations in the vicinity. Um, what happens is that you often find that no radio station in Africa means to be non-compliant. <laughs> like, right. It's not a situation where it says, okay, we've got six spots in news time and we've got seven advertisers. It's absolutely not the case. So it's just a matter of mismanagement. And what happens is that brands don't feel confident in advertising in community radio or in radio stations in Africa. And radio stations in Africa really mean to be compliant. So we go through a system where we sort of coach a radio stations to improve compliance over time. So if an ad was meant to fly between six and nine, we simultaneously let the radio station know and the brand know at the same time. So right. if you've got a month-long campaign, it, we don't wait until the end of the month to send as a big referee against the radio station and say, hey, your advert didn't play. We'd send them an alert to say, this campaign was meant to start, it didn't start, what is it that we can do before the campaign ends to get this campaign back on air? Brilliant. And um, so, James, I'd like to ask you, we are seeing a lot of changes um, in terms of, I mean, especially this year at the conference, in terms of production of audio is a big feature um, with masterclasses around podcasting. And I wanted to ask you, what do you think has changed about the listener? Like, we've got, we talk a lot about changing in formats, we're talking in technology, but what is changing in terms of the listener? And I, I'd like to use audio in a broad term. So. I don't know if we really want to split radio and podcasting and all these different facets. I think it's good that we can agree that we're all passionate about audio in, in different shapes and forms. But what is changing in the listener in terms of their expectations and what they want? Yeah, I mean, I think, by the way, we should be redefining the word radio to include, um, to include all types of radio, whether that's on demand, whether that's podcasting, whether that's everything else, because actually... That's what radio is. It's, uh, it's a, a shared experience with a human connection. Uh, and that's what radio offers uh, you know, so much. And it doesn't necessarily matter which platform you know, that the, the audience is actually consuming. 
But I think in terms of um, how people are listening to content, now more than ever before, they're hearing a wide range of, um, of audio that they, can, uh, that they have access to, both in terms of uh, radio stations. It's never been cheaper to start your own radio station. It's never been cheaper to get the, the equipment together to actually start, um, start uh, making great audio. Um, but also it means that uh, audiences are hearing some really good, high-quality um, uh, radio. And, and I think, you, you know, what that essentially means is that we all need to up our game a bit. We all need to make sure that we sound as good as all of the other choices mm. that audiences actually have. Um, and so, you know, there are somewhere in the region of 300,000 radio stations, which, m which many of us can actually pick up through the Internet, yeah. um, which is a scary concept. Um, so actually having all of, the, all of this choice means that we need to be more careful in terms of um, whether our content is real and relevant to our audience um, and why our audience should choose our radio station rather than anybody else's. You know, so I think that means we need to sound better, we need to sound more polished, and all of the technology which is out there now is allowing us to do that far, far easier than, than it's ever been uh, you know, available uh, in the past. And people that feel passionate about live radio, I mean, it kind of feels to me that there is almost two camps now. It feels like there is a live, people that are passionate about the old school idea of live and call-in, and then there's people trying to push for more production, more produced audio. Are we on a trajectory to create these two camps? I mean, are they? can they complement each other? Um, I mean, I think if you were in the masterclass next door of podcasting, you would think that the whole of radio is moving towards heightened narrative production. Um, but then if you speak to the program manager of 94.7, you'd be like, no, there's lots of money in live radio. It's fine. We can stay with this. So I, I want to know, we talk about this a lot each year, but... Where is it going? Where, where is, the, is, it, is it destined to split? Is it destined to complement each other? What, what are your thoughts? I mean, I think the first thing that I would say is that um, it's very weird. If you were to look at radio from the outside and you were to go, okay, so people are spending a lot of time creating great content that gets broadcast once and we never hear it again. And that's really weird. Mm. if you think about it from that way. So one of the things that I'm very keen on is that radio stations get the most value out of the content that they're creating. And that doesn't necessarily mean broadcast it once and then you never hear it again. Um, I listened, uh, when I used to live in London in the UK, I listened to the BBC for a long time for, uh, for their breakfast show. And then, um, and then I started listening to one of the commercial radio stations instead. And the reason why I started listening to that commercial station was because I had heard the best of their breakfast show um, in an afternoon, on a Sunday afternoon. They used to play some bits of the best of the breakfast show. That was the only time that I would ever have heard that breakfast show, and I really liked it, and I thought I should give this station a try, you know, at breakfast. And the only reason why I actually heard that different breakfast show is because they had taken the decision to put the best bits of that breakfast show at a different time and reuse some of that great content. 
Um, and to me, it actually meant that I ended up being a listener of that station instead. Okay. So I think that there are lots of very clever things that we can do in terms of reusing our content, making the most of the content that we spend time on. And that's before, of course, you move into on-demand content, into podcasting, uh, into things that you do on your app and on s social media. So there are lots of great opportunities, I think, for radio stations beyond just live. Okay, thank you. Naeem, what do you think? You're in the community radio space um, recording all this content, right? All these streams. What do you see in terms of the future of these two sort of hopefully not two camps, but what do you, what do you see them coming together? Sure. I mean, I get your point to say that there's 3,000 radio stations across the world and you can sort of tune in at any point in time to any one of those stations. And there's a huge amount of audio content that you can access, you can have access to. I think looking at it from a community radio space, looking at it from a from a um, local radio space, one of the most important key stuff about radio is that it produces localized content. So you can access localized content around that specific area that you stay in, and stuff like local news, local good stories, local bad stories, local warnings, people that you know and are familiar with and hearing a lot about them. So coming from an advertising perspective, you often find that advertisers don't want to advertise on a national radio station. If there's a new store opening up for a specific brand in a um, rural area in Zambia, for example, those brands want to advertise on those r rural radio stations because they know that every single person or most people in those areas want to listen to those stations because of its local content. Mm. And I think that's why, in my opinion, I think radio will never die. Um, and I think in my opinion as well is that TV produces content that's valid for everybody in a market, but radio just really gets to do your really local um, audiences that you want to reach out to. Okay, thank you. So I want to move a little bit onto, and I'm sure you guys have seen this, that um, these podcasting networks around the world are, are now being bought and raising huge amounts of money, right? So you've got the something like Gimlet has just been acquired by Spotify, and these are for millions of dollars. And what that might lead to, well, what I want to ask the panel what it might lead to is this idea that we might have to start, first of all, paying for audio content. And also, if it might become like TV, where you go to a certain um, provider like Netflix for this kind of TV, you go, to a, you go to DSTV for your other TV, and before you know it, we thought we were in the future of free, exciting content, and really we have six um, subscriptions that we have to pay, and um, we really wish it was, we were back in the 80s, really. So I kind of want to know from the panel, like, where do you think audio is going? Do you think it's going into this direction? Um, do you think we're going to get more and more subscriptions? And that um, there's, uh, people are clearly seeing that there's a lot of money in audio in the podcasting space now, but and where does it go? And where does that, is that relevant for South Africa and for Africa in general? James, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, I, I asked this exact question to Eric and Brittany uh, last night at the pod meet um, because I was curious as to what their take was in terms of podcasting, which has always historically been free and available everywhere to beginning to be um, exclusive content. Uh, so Eric has written, a, uh, has, has worked on a 
podcast, which um, at least initially was only released on uh, Spotify, um, to paid-for content through a variety of different uh, apps and things. Um, and they both said, uh, as you'll read indeed in uh, Pod News, which comes out in 10 minutes, podnews.net, it's very good, um, they <laughs> said that, uh, that there's actually space for both there. Because, yes, there are podcasts who are perfectly happy to rely on ad revenue. There are podcasts who are perfectly happy to take a, uh, to take a chance on producing some great content and hope that enough people will listen to it to make advertising work. But there are also podcasters who, frankly, need money to set up their, uh, their programs, their shows, to report on good stories. Mm. And it's only through uh, exclusive deals, it's only through subscription deals that they can actually afford to end up doing that. So I think actually, you know, as they said, and I, I would agree with them, that there's probably space for, for everybody in here. Um, there is space for the vast majority. There are 709,000 podcasts available right now. Um, all of those podcasts, thankfully you don't have to listen to every single one, so you're okay there. <laughs> but all of those podcasts, um, um, you know, the majority of those are free. The majority of those will continue to be free, whether they're supported by advertising or supported by a donation model. Um, but yes, you know, the, that, that typically means that you don't sometimes get the money to make some of the great podcasting and the great storytelling that you would like to. And that's where exclusives, that's where a subscription model, um, you know, comes in. So I think it's actually, it's, it's good news for podcast li li listeners as long as, you know, we're not taking too much away from them in terms of the free content which is uh, still available. Okay. And Naheem, what do you think? Do you think South Africa and Africa in general, do you think from what you've seen in your work across the continent, do you see a space for this kind of premium audio content here? Um, yes, absolutely. I think um, anything, anything that you pay for becomes valuable. Um, there might be a matter in which you can either do it through a subscription basis or if you're to offer advertising. I mean, your first thing when it comes around advertising is to say, shit, now we've got to look at all these adverts coming up. But Advertising is not necessarily a problem. I mean, if it's, if it's advertising that's relevant to you as a person and where you're from, etc., it becomes, it becomes quite powerful and also relevant to you. So you don't actually mind seeing a lot of those advertising. So I think there's a need for us to sort of get to a space where we can start programmatically placing adverts within audio. I mean, okay. on, on, a, on a radio space, you play an advert here and everybody's going to listen to the same advert. But if we have an, a system whereby we can able to to put all this content on demand or live streamed and have the ability to programmatically place adverts on there, I think we can, we can do something quite powerful. So, okay, so you're, you're talking about more like a kind of Google Ads sort of programmatic idea, but for audio, embedding into the podcast. Absolutely, absolutely. I think okay. also, mm. yeah, sorry. Yeah, I mean, there's a great, um, there's a great uh, company which is based out of the UK called A Million Ads. They've just uh, signed uh, a number of deals uh, this, this morning. And what they do is they make um, radio commercials, essentially, that are very, very personalized. So you might be listening to a specific podcast. It knows what time of day you're listening. It knows where you're listening. In many cases, it knows who you are. It knows what your name is. So you can actually have an ad that goes out and it says, 
It's a cold and blustery day here in Glasgow. <laughs> Um, wouldn't it be great to have a nice warm Starbucks coffee? And then in the background you hear, coffee for Paul. Wow. Uh, you, you, can, you can actually make that stuff now. So it's sort of like an advert which mimics the voices in your head. Is yeah, kind of that. yeah. It's, it's, it's a really clever, you know, using as many of, of these data inputs as you possibly can get. But it sounds like a normal radio ad. It's just that, weirdly, it knows where you are and what type of day and whether the weather's cold or hot outside uh, and so on and so forth. It's really, really clever. Now, obviously, you can't do that um, entirely in terms of broadcast radio because broadcast radio is one to many. Um, but you can still do clever things in terms of um, putting different commercials out when it's sunny or when it's rainy, for example, or putting different commercials out, whether it's the morning or the afternoon. And I remember, you know, a long time ago when I was on the air, having to occasionally, you know, advertisers would have separate copy if it was, uh, if it was a sunny day or a rainy day and having to run out of the studio and go and have a look outside and work out whether or not I should be playing sunny or rainy. Nice. Um, you know, but I think that there's a lot to be said for that. And I think, you know, um, as you were saying earlier, you know, radio works best when it's real and relevant to the person who is having a listen. And, you know, there is nothing better than, you know, hearing something which is, uh, which is relevant to where you are. Yeah, a little more personalized. Eh? Yeah. I think also in, in terms of when we work in Africa, I mean, from a South African perspective, you can consider every other African radio station to be what we consider community radio station in terms of the infrastructure they have, in terms of um, the playout systems, etc. Um, you will find that a lot of people in, in, in African countries will obviously migrate towards urban areas for, for job prospects, but people still want to feel connected back home. Mm. So it's on, very, very important for us as a radio community to be able to put all of those things online or be able to live stream them on a demand space so that anybody anywhere in the world can feel connected back home. Right. Now I want to move a little bit on to innovation and we've talked to a lot and that word I think you'll agree has different connotations for people so sometimes I think a few years ago people were obsessed with the idea that innovation meant an app and the only way that you could be considered being innovative was the fact that you were producing an app um, being a radio station or a radio producer or anyone else in media um, but I, I get the feeling that that has changed now it's evolved um, uh, I run, I, run I, I, I work at a, um, a project based here at Wits University where we pair community paralegals with radio stations. Um, and when we initially started, they, there was a lot of pressure from the funders to produce some sort of app or some sort of technology. This was about three, four years ago. Um, but now the funders have kind of, and not that we're completely dictated by the funders, but the, you know how it is. Um, they have kind of accepted the fact that innovation can mean the pairing of those two entities. So the idea that you can pair paralegals and radio stations in an innovative way, then that can kind of be considered innovation. Um, and I wanted to hear from the panel what you think innovation means in 2019 and what it might mean in another 10 years. 
Yeah. You want to start? Sure, I can. I think it's also important to understand innovation. I mean, we, we can throw these words around innovation, 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 and throw around the words apps and apps and on-demand content, etc. But it also depends on where you're working and the level of sophistication you have at, in that market at that time. So we can decide on using an app on Zambezi FM in Livingston in Zambia. But unfortunately, the data to be able to take that stream is not available. So in, in my perspective, innovation for me at the moment is around access and ability to access those streams and ability to access that content. So access for more people, basically. Access for more people. So yeah. for example, um, we've run a pilot project in Zambezi, which is in Livingston, on a, on a station called Zambezi FM, where out of, before that, so there's 65 radio stations in Zambia that I know of. Of those 65, four of them on a website have some sort of live streaming. Of those four, none of them work. Right. So it's all good and well that we create an app, but if none of those are able to be live streamed, then that's a bit of a problem. Um, we find that your, your technology for fiber isn't as good as we'd like it to be in those, in those areas, and the 3G or 4G connectivity in those areas are not good enough either. Um, our research is around our research and our innovation is purely around putting a radio station onto a live stream. Mm. And how we do that is via satellite connection. So, put a satellite terminal uplink at the radio station itself, and have a downlink at our offices in Johannesburg, and then from Johannesburg with a good fiber internet connection, putting those radio stations up for streaming. I think once we get that right and we get that right across Africa, then we can look at different ways around how we can innovate further. But right now, my innovation means just getting many people access to those radio streams. Okay, so innovation is more people. Exactly. Right, thanks. What do you think, James? Yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, I think the, the definition of innovation for me is doing something differently that delivers a better result. And uh, so from my point of view, anything that is innovative um, is something you know, that um, recognizes better ways that we could be doing things in order to produce a better result. As an example, um, in London, in the UK, there are 120 different radio stations available. So if you're there with your radio, you've got a choice of 120. So what some of the radio stations are doing is they have realized that it is really important to be very focused uh, in who they are talking to. So, um, so there's one radio station uh, which is just for people who speak Polish in London, and there are quite a lot of them, and that works really well. There's another radio station which is only for people who are in the construction industry, who are building, uh, build, who are you know building buildings. Um, what else would you do with a building <laughs> other than build it? Um, you know, who are doing uh, concreting and uh, you know changing roofs and you know putting in uh, windows and all of that kind of stuff. And actually, what they need from a radio station is very different to what you or I might need as we're driving along. Um, you know, they need to know whether or not it's safe for them to pour the concrete now or whether or not it's going to rain in the afternoon. It's London, of course it'll rain in the afternoon. That's, right. that's how London works. Uh, but nevertheless, actually getting that, um, getting that information out there is useful and important for that niche uh, audience. So I think you can be innovative in terms of content as well as being innovative in terms of technology. Um, there's another radio station in Glasgow in Scotland and they 
uh, again, are in a very um, competitive uh, market. And so what they have realized is it's important for them to um, get the best audio that they possibly can, but they need to keep their costs down. And they suddenly realized, actually, it makes sense for us not to have a, a radio studio at all because we don't need them anymore. Mm. Our presenters are, are going to do their shows from their home using broadband internet. Why do we need a studio? Why do they need to drive three quarters of an hour in the, uh, in the traffic jams uh, to get into a studio to do what they could frankly do from their house? And so this is a radio station without any studios, without any buildings. Um, it's just a simple, straightforward radio station, which is, you know, in the, in the cloud, if you like. Mm. Um, and all of the presenters of that station uh, and the news teams and everything else are all doing it um, from their homes rather than coming into work. You know, innov innovation there was driven by the fact that it was um, the only way to make that radio station make any money. Um, rather than lose it on expensive uh, studios that, frankly, you don't need anymore. So I think you can do some very interesting things yeah. in terms of innovation. And innovation obviously then leads to good things happening. I mean, you know, the, the tools that you're working on, um, uh, I remember um, a few years ago when uh, there was something equivalent. It wasn't as clever as yours, but something equivalent happened in the UK where uh, advertising brands could actually trust that radio stations were running the ads that they paid for. And as a result, they started spending more money in terms of radio. Because sure. it was really helpful for them to know, you know, I now trust these radio stations are running the ads when I've booked them, and that's great. I'm going to reward them by spending more money on the air. And so, you know, what you're doing is a great is a great innovation that will benefit all, all of the radio industry, yeah. Sure. I just wanted to finish off with the idea of reach and the idea of finding these people. We've talked a lot about streams in, in Africa and the idea of there being so many radio stations and so much content. But as I think we all know, as people in the 21st century, the idea of, I mean, I feel panicked like the idea that I'm not getting the content that I should be getting. And as a content creator, I think I, whenever I send something out, I also have that s more panic from that. So it kind of feels like something that frustrates on both sides. And I wondered to finish off that this is something that if you are not on an FM signal um, that people know about and they can't find you on that, and let's face it, that your name might actually be the frequency that they have to find you on, which makes it even easier, um, we're sort of spoilt for choice, but also how do we find this stuff? And how do you as a content producer push this out? Um, and, and is it not, I mean, I sometimes feel that the case is that a lot of good stuff is going unlistened to because people are, uh, are creatures of habit and they go to what they like and they go to what's easy to find. So how are we gonna break this out? And, and are there people out there that are doing it in a good way? Well, gosh, uh, where, do you, where do you start with that? Yeah, I mean, I would certainly agree. Any radio station that is launching now, the most important thing for them to be focusing on is marketing, is getting their name out. Uh, if you're an FM station, getting your frequency out or getting your website address out, that is a really important thing. And, you know, arguably, if you're launching a radio station and you're looking at, uh, at a budget of money, 
to launch that particular station, arguably the majority of that needs to now go into marketing because um, it is most important to get your message out there. It's also, by the way, most important to make sure that you know what your message is. Um, and uh, it, it's very interesting seeing lots of radio stations who've had a confused idea over what they stand for. Mm. So actually making it really clear and straightforward what you will get from that particular station. I mean, 94.7 I was listening to uh, in the, in the uh, taxi yesterday, and one of the things that they say over and over again is, is you, love, you love Johannesburg, we love you. Um, and it's a very straightforward thing of, we are your local radio station. Mm. We are a radio station all about Johannesburg, um, that is why we exist. Um, and I think, you know, things like that that actually make it really clear what your unique uh, selling point is, you know, is an important part to how you get that message over. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, and I think um, when you look at the most successful radio stations, they have spent a lot of money on marketing or a lot of time on marketing because marketing doesn't always mean money. Um, but they've also completely understood what their, um, what their service actually is mm. and what will make people tune into that particular station. Okay, thank you. Sure. I, yeah, sure. I think there could be a nice little uh, platform where you could sort of view all the radio stations, maybe give some sort of an idea of your split between talking, music, and advertisement, and the ability to say, okay, cool, this is actually what we offer. I think a lot of radio stations, we just go from one to the next, and through experience, we learn what they offer, but we don't really know for each station what their primary goal or objective is. Um, and I, I quite liked your idea on, you said that you had a breakfast show which you'd listen to on Sunday, which took the best out of each day. And if we could somehow summarize a breakfast show or summarize a typical day of radio on a specific station and have that audio available immediately, I think it can be quite powerful. So like a summarized sort of snap, like soundbite of a day of a radio station Absolutely, yeah. as a way to advertise that station. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, one of the most effective ways I've seen of marketing a radio station was in uh, S South Australia when I was uh, going to see some, uh, some uh, friends and I was driving along, uh, Australia is a very big place and I was driving, it was a six hour drive to get from Melbourne to the place where I was going and, and I noticed that uh, on the road signs every so often you would see a, um, you, you would see a radio station logo. And what the radio station had done is they had sponsored um, the road signs <laughs> as you drive along. Well, what a great place to market a radio yeah. station because it was a radio station with a great big FM uh, frequency and you're there in the car driving for six hours, bored out of your head, Oh look, there's the radio station I should be tuning into. Perfect. Really simple, straightforward way. They could, they may not have even spent any money on that because they may have actually offered the local council uh, airtime in, re um, yeah, you know, in return. But that's a really straightforward way of actually getting your message out to people that 
um, are really responsive to it because they are bored driving for a long time yeah. <laughs> um, and they have a radio in front of them cool. you know so I mean even those sorts of uh, those sorts of, of, of uh, tools are very clever um, there's another one um, National Public Radio in the US NPR uh, is a is a radio brand which is um, you know which is very well uh, thought of but one of the things that it um, has started doing is it's been giving away um, little um, little plastic things that go on your laptop you know you've got a um, you know you've got a, a camera in your laptop screen mm. so that you can do things like uh, Skype well what they have built is they have built a little piece of uh, plastic that uh, is a shutter that goes over your uh, camera okay. so that um, so that you can be sure that uh, what you're doing in front of your computer is private unless you open that particular shutter but it's got an NPR logo on there so it's an ad looking so what at you that, the whole time yes exactly so what that is basically doing is that is sitting there going NPR 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 every time you're looking at your your computer screen yeah. you're seeing NPR um, which is a really clever thing for something which you know let's face it radio is a very habitual medium yeah. that's probably what's keeping radio alive um, is the fact that we wake up to it every day, we drive to it every day, when we get in our car, it automatically turns on, it's fantastic. Um, and so to have something that reinforces that habit, you know, is a really useful tool. Brilliant, thank you. Well, thank you very much. Um, we've got a few minutes for questions, but I'd just like to give a round of applause to our panelists. And um, what can we open up to the floor and see what questions people have? Thanks very much, guys. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Thanks, Paul. Yeah, but my question goes to uh, name. Yeah, as uh, you are part of the content uh, economy as uh, some of the uh, guys in the industry are calling it. Uh, tell me, how can you assist the community radio station in the rural area in terms of uh, generating revenue? As I've just heard, you've spoken about issues of uh, uh, marketing campaigns. Thank you. Sure, I think uh, one of the things that we've found is that when you've got international brands that want to advertise on local radio stations in, in Zambia, for example, I, I use Zambia because that's our biggest market, um, a lot of the time they just don't know they don't know what the station's about, they don't know what they're talking about, they just don't have any idea around why you should actually advertise on the radio station. And I think community radio stations, a lot of them are not streamed and a lot of them, a lot of the radio stations in communities won't be, won't have any podcasts. So we have a service that we offer to media agencies that we say, okay, cool, advertise on these radio stations. And we justify that by giving them sort of clips um, from the radio station itself and some sort of schedule so they can see what it's more, what's, what's it about. Okay, thanks. Oh, yeah. Hi, um, I wanted to ask what is the most effective way of marketing or promoting a podcast? Marketing or promoting a podcast, um, uh, the most effective way is to mention it on the radio uh, because <laughs> surprisingly enough because hey it turns out the radio advertising works um, which is always a good thing. Um, so, uh, more, more, more seriously, I mean, it, it is making sure that you are um, in front of the audience who your podcast is for. 
So, um, you know, if you do a podcast about, I don't know, um, clothes making, um, then make sure that you are um, in communities that are, that are involved in making clothes. Uh, it sounds like a really obvious thing, but it's surprising how many podcasters um, aren't necessarily as active in their communities in on places like Facebook, on WhatsApp, and so on, um, around that particular subject of their podcast. Um, and really, you know, so I have a friend of mine who does a podcast about Parkinson's, which is a uh, which is an illness, and he found that the best way of getting in front of those people who were interested in, in uh, Parkinson's was obviously going to find out where these people were already talking. And sometimes that means conferences, sometimes it means online communities, sometimes it means um, you know, websites and magazines and so on. So that's a really easy way of, um, you know, of, of, of uh, doing that. But I mean, at the end, uh, I, I'm seeing lots of radio stations in, in Australia, for example, who are um, doing their music radio stations on the air, but they're doing long podcasts around wine or around home decoration and things. They're sponsored by a wine shop or by a, a DIY store. Um, and uh, what those clients have bought is they bought not just their own podcast with somebody from that radio station, they've also bought radio advertising to actually promote that podcast to the radio station's audience. And at the end of the day, we're in a wonderful position uh, working with radio stations, with, mass, uh, with the mass market uh, that we have, to actually be able to uh, market using those radio stations, other things that we're doing you know, as part of our businesses as well. Got time for one more? Yep. Ah, there we go. Mr. Naeem, right? Am I pronouncing it right? Okay. Mr. Naeem, is it, is it possible for companies, conglomerates, or people, or rich players in this game to buy all the data you have from all these community radio stations so they can specifically target them in whatever they sell, right? Is it possible, or do you have a non- um, or is there a clause within the contracts you or within the deals you make with the radio station and your artificial intelligence that no one can buy this data? Kind of like I just learned that companies can actually buy information from SIM cards, so from network providers, from Vodacom. That is why you get all these ads from old Mutual when you're using Vodacom. Company actually bought all the data knowing where you live. So if Naspers, if, 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 if DSTV came your way and said, listen, sell me all the information, is there a clause protecting that or? Um, so I think it's important to note that anything that's on radio or television, except for paid TV, is on a public domain. So what we sell is information on a large scale. So you might say to your friend that, hey, I've heard an advert for ShopRite on 5FM. That's a piece of information that you not necessarily selling, but you're giving away. All we do is consolidate all information that's free to air and consolidating it in one place. So there's no clauses around what we're allowed to and not to sell. Cool. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. Please give them a, round, a second round of applause. Thank you, Paul. Thank you.